Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. March Madness has finally returned, and there's only one way to celebrate. Let's get gambling. Gambling. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the Jenner Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. It's the Thursday NCAA Tournament College Basketball Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me today are my two co-hosts, Mike Calvaries and the one and only Kai McCure. Gentlemen, Merry Christmas Eve Eve. It's Tuesday night here. The first four is on. I was just talking about how I don't, I don't, I don't love the first four. It just, it feels like I'm opening. I have to really love a game to bet it. I'm usually doing a bunch of content. It feels like I'm opening Christmas presents ahead of time, ahead of Christmas. Maybe I'm just old school, grew up without the first four. But the tournament for me really, it doesn't start until well, we're going to talk about the first tip, like twelve twenty on Thursday. Kai, how goes it? And as a kid, were you were you one to? try and find the presents or if you had a chance to open one early would you open one early or did you like to wait well i'm sure i tried but i wasn't allowed to do it early no no way i had to wait my turn that's right discipline in my household stucky yeah i when on christmas morning we used to wait at the top of the stairs and we would get called down and i remember when i was like one one time when i snuck down because I, I, I didn't even sleep as a kid i've never slept i snuck down and i saw my Mom and dad were wrapping the presents when I was like eight, and that's when I found out there was no Santa. Sorry, spoiler alert to anyone listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my brother and sister would try to find gifts early. I I never did, although now my wife and I, whenever we buy each other anything, we just give it. We don't even wrap it. We just say, "Here, here's the gift I got you." And, um, Mike, how about you? Were you an early gift opener? What did you like? Uh, I, I I was an only child, so I was on a lot of solo reconnaissance missions to find those presents like deep in a closet. But very early on, like 10 or 11, I was like, yeah, this isn't as fun. I'm just going to like let it all happen. Either we are a Christmas Eve, open a gift or two, Christmas Day, open the rest. But for, to extend your analogy, like 
Texas A&M Corpus Christi versus SEMO. That's like opening up a stocking and finding the socks you're going to get a couple of days early. Like, why are we really rushing and pushing the envelope on that one? I agree with you. First four is not for me. So when they talk about expanding this tournament, I could, there's plenty to go around on Thursday and Friday that uh, actually moves the needle. By the way, I'll take some socks now. I like, I'm a big, <laughs> give me give me some socks. But all right, let's get into it. What we're going to do today is we're going to go through every single game on Thursday, but one. Alabama's opponent is TBD, so we won't talk about that game. Not that everyone, I'm sure, is itching to hear that. But we'll go through them all, and we'll give our thoughts, and then we'll close out with one final best bet for the day. So let's get things started with the first tip of the tournament. West Virginia, Maryland, 8-9. Fun little regional matchup in Birmingham, Alabama. This will tip 12-15 Eastern on CBS, West Virginia, Two-point favorite over under 137 and a half. I don't have a st- – I lean West Virginia a bit. I mean, Maryland has been just not the same team away from College Park where they just put runs on teams. But I'll give you a little nugget here and tell you what I bet. Starting off the tournament with – not the it's not the most fun bet, but a first half under. It's the first game. You see this a lot with the noon tips. There's some jitters early, especially the first game of the tournament. Teams come out. They're a little nervous. You'll see the shots just – off and teams don't want to really run and it's just ugly early on and maryland by nature plays slow outside the top 300 just the tempo they don't turn it over they compete on the defensive glass so i think they match up well with west virginia's offense and i think vice versa so i like both matchups for each defense i think it'll start out slow and to wit over the past 25 years first half unders in this noon time slot in the ncaa tournament of under 70 which this is, this is about 65. They've gone under 66% of the time. So I'm going to start out. I'm going to start things off with the first half under. Now you can tweet me, send me hate mail uh, if it doesn't hit. And we start off the tournament with a just an, I mean, who wants to lose a first half under as their first bet of the tournament? But hey, that's what I'm doing. These guys, no, no real strong feel on either side, Kai. No, no strong feelings. I guess slightly into West Virginia. Um, kind of trust their physicality more. Um, trust Bob Huggins a lot more than, than Kevin Willard. So I, I would I would prefer to put my money with Huggins. All right, well, let's move on to a game where we do have strong takes, and that is a very popular underdog. The men of Fur, Furman Paladins, a 13 seed, will take on Virginia. This game will tip at 1240 Eastern on True TV. Shout out to True TV, the home of Impractical Jokers and the first round of the NCAA tournament. Over under 131 and a half. This game gives me vibes of two years ago. One of my favorite bets of the tournament was Ohio as a 13 seed against a Virginia team that was a four. Became extremely trendy. And guess what? Ohio still won. Trendy dogs can win. Uh, I think Furman matches up really well here. I'll share my thoughts in a sec, Kai. Uh, let me throw it to you first. You're you're a big fan of the Dins here. I am. Uh, this is the matchup Furman wanted, I think. Um, number one, Virginia's not super athletic, and, and that's the type of team Furman really struggles against. NC State beat Furman this year by about 19. NC State, much more athletic team than Virginia. Obviously, Virginia plays the pack line defense. They force opponents to shoot over the top of them. That's what Furman likes to do. Um, while they are awesome inside, they are great from behind the arc as well. Bob Ritchie, their coach, is a data ball type of guy, three more than two. They have a senior point guard in Mike Bothwell, who's incredible. Um, Virginia's an experienced team, no doubt. I love Tony Bennett, absolutely. But I like Furman here. I like them getting hot. I like them advancing. 
And I love Bob Ritchie, Stucky. Yeah, well, you know, also Jay Slauson is a hell of a player, two fifth-year mm-hmm. seniors on this team. And then Pegues, their other guard, who started to play really well in the second half of the season. But, yeah, they play five out. Not as sharp of a shooting team as last year. They lost two of their sharper shooters. They were around 37 38% last year. But they're still around 35 36% this year. And it's everybody, right? They they play – it's not four guys who could shoot and then one who can at all. It's five guys on the court who mm-hmm. can all shoot around 35 36% which is what they shoot as a team. And that's what you need against this Virginia defense that packs it in. Also, you know, Virginia plays one of the slowest paces in the country that favors the dog limited possessions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Furman does want to get out and run nine. They, they do get out and transition a lot. They won't have that opportunity here. Virginia doesn't let you do that, but they're 90th percentile in transition offense and 90th percentile in half court offense. They're mm-hmm. very comfortable in the half court. They run great stuff, very experienced team and the Virginia offense. It's just, yeah, and it's not an elite, athletic, explosive offense, which is what would worry me with Furman because Furman's mm-hmm. defense does have some holes, and they they're a little finesse, right? If they they could be bullied in the post, that's not really what who Virginia is. We're gonna go consensus here, Mike. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Virginia's offense is stuck in the mud. They haven't cracked 64 points in eight of their last 11 games. And Bothwell and Slauson, as you mentioned, they're both Lou Henson Award finalists. That's the mid-major player of the year. So their overall you know, ceiling in terms of their superstar factor for March Madness is as good as you're going to get from a mid-major. And one final nugget to add in for the Dins, they don't t- turn the ball over. So, you know, by doing that, they're going to limit the possessions even more. I think if they can score 70 points in this game, they're going to win it. And I feel really comfortable about that. Um, I, I'm also going to throw out the fact that they are eight to one over in the market right now to make the sweet 16. I think that's tremendous value. They might not even have to play another single digit seed in the round of 32. I don't want to jinx it, but their path here is pretty much tailor-made and an eight to one that absolutely caught my attention. Yeah. The, because what would worry me, like they should, Penn State came out and was like 10 of 10 from three to start. I think that game was on a neutral in, in Charleston and they almost came back and won that game. Well, they did get destroyed by NC State, which is a bit concerning. They're down like 30 in that game. But NC State's more of like a athletic, you know, can overwhelm you. And uh, Virginia's just not that. Now, as far as the second round is concerned with Furman, we won't have uh, podcasts this weekend. We will have live shows, Big Bets on Campus live thursday friday saturday sunday 10 30 a.m eastern so make sure you check out those shows for previews and obviously we'll have tons of content on the action network.com and the action network app but one thing i would worry about Furman and kai i know you're you're a big richie guy and and mm-hmm. like this firm team as do i i was happy to see them um make the ncaa tournament after some heartbreak for these fifth year seniors i they would play the winner uh if they win this game and i think they're live to do so they would play the winner of charleston and san diego state i think they have a much better chance of beating charleston because it would be Mm -hmm. more of the game that they like to play whereas i worry about the the physicality of san diego state and them bullying them a bit would you agree with that i would but man charleston's physical too and they're also a team full of athletes but but that'll be more like an up and down yeah game yeah right certainly something they're more used to um and Furman's used to playing some slower teams in the SoCon as well. Like you said, they're comfortable in the half court. So I'm not worried about Virginia, you know, playing their style. I think Furman can adjust and adapt to it. Playing Virginia might be good prep for if they win for playing San Diego State. Yeah, it's true. In a way, but go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Brian Dutcher, I have a lot of respect in terms of being a game planner. If they end up drawing San Diego State, that's the matchup I worry a bit more about. I 
I know that Matt Bradley has to shoulder so much of the offensive load for the Aztecs. Um, but overall, I would prefer to see the Cougars in the round of 32. That would be a, a really fun game to watch. Um, all right, let's move on to a game where we're going to have some disagreement here. Utah State, Missouri, Utah State, no, one-point favorite over under 155. Utah State, the 10 seed, is a slight favorite here over Missouri. This game's 140 Eastern on TNT in Sacramento, California. This is the analytics versus the athletes. I called into your radio show with you and Rob Master uh, the other night. And I uh, was like, curious to get your thoughts on this game. This The analytics love Utah State. And they don't really like Missouri, but no. Missouri has a trump card here in a significant athletic advantage. And you think that'll ultimately be the difference? I'll let you state your case first. I do. That's that's the first point. Yeah. Utah State, they struggle against athleticism. Just look at the teams they've lost to this year. San Diego State three times. Weber State's a pretty athletic team. SMU's a pretty athletic team. They just don't do well against high-level athletes. Kobe Brown is going to be a matchup nightmare for Utah State, both in the perimeter and if he decides to go inside. Secondly, Utah State can't really exploit Mizzou's weaknesses, which is going inside and dominating on the block and grabbing offensive rebounds. They don't go for offensive rebounds. It's not their strength. Mizzou does give up a lot of threes, but also consider Mizzou has to help down a lot in the SEC. They have to clog the paint. They have to give up the three in the SEC, and they should. The SEC is the worst shooting team, or excuse me, conference in America. So I think they can adjust their style a bit and get out in three-point line and, and deny that a little bit more against Utah State. And on the other end, I trust Mizzou to score against Utah State's defense. All right. It was a strong case. Mike, maybe we'll have you break the tie or say who made the stronger case. Um, well, I, I agree. Kobe Brown's going to be a nightmare to match up with him. By the way, I bet Utah State here, I bet it was small because I figure – I assume I'm going to be able to get a better number live. This there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I would lean mm-hmm. over. Yeah. And you, there's going to be runs, right? There's going to be tons of threes. Both these teams chuck threes. So you're going to have one team go to 12-0 run. It doesn't matter. Like teams up 10, it doesn't matter. They could be right back in the game within two minutes. Um, so both teams, you know, Utah State has done a better job of running teams off the three. Utah State, both these teams can really shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, what Missouri, one of the strengths of Missouri, and they're very these are I love this coaching matchup, by the way. I think we got a really good field of first-round coaching matchups all across the board of just, oh, I love this coach and this coach, which will make for, for some fascinating X's and O's battles. But, I, look, Missouri, one of the things that they do well is they mix up their defense. They're going to throw a lot of zone out there, and they're going to press you, and you, you can't really zone Utah State. That is uh, a disaster waiting to happen. So I'll be curious to see how they play this on the perimeter. Do they go more man? They don't have to help down – uh, inside and you can't press Utah State. They grow, they grade out 99th percentile against the press. Now you could say, look, they don't play these super athletic teams like Missouri, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I just, I, I trust Utah State to make more shots and they're going to get more open looks based on what I've seen this year. But I both, I highly respect both coaches. I also like the over and I don't mind trading this game. Like Utah State goes up 11 one early and you can get Missouri plus four and a half right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Missouri makes a run. You come back with Utah state plus five and a half. Like that that's, I think that's a great approach to this game. Mike analytics or athletes. 
I'm going to go athletes, but I do like your insight into live betting and how that, you know, this can play out a little bit more like an NBA game where you're going to wait for the teams to make the runs. I lean more towards the over, you know, 154 and a half doesn't scare me off. I think this game's going to be played in the eighties, to be honest. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and, and lean with Mizzou. Um, but I'm going to keep my money on the sideline until we at least get four or five minutes into it. Yeah. I, and I might look live over too. Like, so this game's in the afternoon, like early afternoon. So there might be some like jitters and cold shooting early, but I think once now, look, when these totals that are super high, it's tough in the tournament because at times you need a lot to go right. You can't have, you know, if, if the game is like tied with eight to go and you are on an overpace and it's like, it's the NCAA tournament, then all of a sudden it like, you'll see it just, the game will slow down and like every possession means so much more. And then all of a sudden these teams get like tighter and then they just start valuing a possession. It's not as up and down. Um, and it could start slow, you know, in Sacramento, new gym, maybe some jitters early. So it is a high number, but I, I agree. I think this game, if you play this a hundred times, more times than not, it's played in the eighties. So if it does, if they do get off to a slow start, there's so many past offense here. And I think the pace for the most part will be fast. So if this is like, you know, the teams are O, o of nine combined from three, it's going to be a ton of threes in this game to start the game. Look for a live over. I think this is a great trading game as evidenced by the total. All right. Good stuff there. Let's move on to a little less intriguing of a game. Howard is dancing. They will take on Kansas in Des Moines. This game will tip at two Eastern on TBS. Kansas 22 point favorite over under 145 and a half. I don't really have a strong take here, Mike. I know you don't either. Hi, anything on Kansas and Howard? Can Mr. Settle and company for the Bison keep this within the number? I tend to lean no. Uh, I lean towards Kansas here. Don't really expect them to struggle. Uh, Howard against Kempom top 150 competition this year. Lost to Kentucky by 32. James Madison, 26. Belmont, 23. Yale, 46. Mm. And then VCU. They actually hung with VCU. They lost by 10. Um, they certainly have a great player in Elijah Hawkins. Also a, a settle. But they're simply going to be overmatched. Turnover is going to be a huge problem. 356 in the country in turnover rate. KU's defense this year has been excellent. They'll for course, uh, some, some ball handling issues and the talent levels. They're just not close at, per usual in a one sixteen matchup. Yeah. And they, they lost by 10 at VCU, VCU yeah. with who didn't have their best player. Mm-hmm. Baldwin didn't no, play that yeah, game. True. So um, that's worth noting. Yeah. That a 50 point loss to Yale is uh pretty scary <laughs> to uh, know that going in. If you had a ticket of plus 22, so yeah, Kansas might be able to name it there. Let's move on to uh, the another really intriguing game. This is the pace clash. So for when this they showed this, you know, sitting down watching the bracket. I fell down my stairs, by the way. So I was up getting a water, and I had I had my whole setup down my basement. I write down. I have a bracket filled out, and I write down the matchups, um, like it's like it's two thousand and six. Um, like I can't, I won't be able to get one on the internet in like two minutes, but I just like to look at it right away. So I have it like a, a, a written bracket and then I start filling it in. So I heard them saying like, and all right, now we reveal and I like was a minute late. So I, I grabbed my water and I sprinted down the stairs and I slipped and fell all the way down my stairs. Luckily I didn't get hurt. Um, got up and ran to the couch. What a, what a, what a champion and grit I showed and 
wrote down the bracket. You deserve a medal or a holiday or at least a cuddle from somebody. But when I saw this, the first thing I said and tweeted, I was like, pace clash. This is Charleston, San Diego State. Really fascinating 5-12 matchup. San Diego State's a five-point favorite over under 141 and a half. This game will be at 310 Eastern on True TV in Orlando, Florida. Hi. Yeah, I. Uh, it's not a bad draw for Charleston. It kind of sucks. I like both these teams a lot. Um, but what Charleston had to avoid in this first, ma- first match, in my opinion, was an explosive offense that would welcome their pace. And that's not San Diego State. Um, they're certainly better on offense than they have been in the past, but they still prefer a half-court style. They're not, for instance, in Alabama or in Iowa or Gonzaga, to which I would think Charleston would struggle to keep it close because they do love to run up and down. The three-point looks are going to be there for Charleston. They have not shot that well this season, but they do have shooters. And they're ninth in the country in three-point attempt rate. They let the ball fly. Pat Kelsey, another one of those analytic-style coaches. San Diego State, 280th in the country in three-point attempt rate allowed. They will pack it in. They will tend to give up looks from the outside, force Charleston, beat them with jumpers. Both teams are pretty deep. Again, I like really, I really do like both coaches, um, but I like this Charleston team a little bit more. They beat Virginia Tech in the non-con, Kent State, Colorado State by 10. I think they can hang here with the San Diego State within five, five and a half. Yeah, they like so Charleston, you'd think that they're comfortable enough in the half court. Like, so yeah, you're gonna have to make some jump shots to beat San Diego State just based on the their scheme. And by the way, Matt Bradley, like he, it's he's a, a high variance nature or part of this game. If he's hot, like he'll he'll put a run on any team, and then he could also shoot San Diego State out of a game if he's off. But Charleston, look, they're extremely deep and they come at you in waves. But, and look, they have guys like Larson and Smith who aren't great statistically. They're like 32, 30, but they can get red hot too. Charleston just has so many avenues to different offense, right? They're not uber reliant on one guy. It's a very hard prep. Mm-hmm. If one guy's having an off night, they can get offense from somewhere else, which I really like against a great game planner, um, which Dutcher is, and a great defense, right? They can't just focus on, let's just take this one or two guys away. Charleston can come at you in waves. You think that they'll like the one thing that does worry me about teams that like to get up and down against teams that are that play slower is it might, might not necessarily worry me, but more times than not in the tournament, the game will be slower and the team that could that is slower will control the tech can control the tempo a little easier. Mm-hmm. But you think Charleston's more than comfortable in the half court here? I do. And and they're talented enough to to hang, right? And, and they're physical. This is not like a only offense type of team. They're really good defensively as well. They can go punch for punch with San Diego State. I also yeah, throw out here in terms of the committee, like I know that the Mountain West has not lit the the world on fire in the tournament in recent years, but like what are they doing sending the regular season and conference tournament champion all the way to Orlando? So one of the things I crunched the numbers in the offseason since 2014, if you take all the pods, the teams with the four teams with the longest travel are 39% against the spread in that opening round, the round of 64. And this is one of the games that, that hits the system. So I'm going to go ahead and say Charleston. St. Mary's probably too. St. Mary's Mary's is is absolutely hose. And then add on top for the Gales, the body clock. It's an 11 a.m. tip-off for the Gales on the body clock in Albany. They're going to have absolutely no fans there. It's ridiculous. But San Diego State is in a similar boat, and I just don't understand why the committee did them so dirty considering how well they played and spent the majority of the season in the top 25. Yeah, Mary's, it's the West region, and they are playing in Albany. Um, Make that make sense. 
Yeah, Mount West, you know, you, you didn't even mention this, Kai, but Mount West, you just alluded to it, Mike. 14-35-1 against the spread in their past 50 tourney games. Woof. 0-9 against the spread in their past nine. So, Yikes. yeah, you're fading Mountain West a couple times here. I went with mm-hmm. Utah State, uh, so that does scare me a bit. Um, but they can't not cover forever. Maybe that's just... <laughs> that's the right, they're is. due. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to our next game. And let's talk a little Ivy. Princeton will take on number two seed Arizona out in Sacramento, California. Arizona's a 14-point favorite. 
over under 154. This game will start at 410 Eastern on TNT. Mike, Princeton was your darling all year. You backed them with a lot of success. I'm still bitter about Penn because I wanted to see Penn dance and I had a future on them. And I do think that Penn kind of got hosed by the refs in the final minute, but whatever. I got to get over it. Water under the bridge. Uh, are you backing your beloved Tigers here against Arizona? Believe it or not, this podcast is not brought to you by like Southwest Airlines or something, but I have another, you know, distance mileage trip situation to discuss. They're sending the Ivy League champs all the way to Sacramento. So it's another one that triggers the system. But just in general, on the floor, I thought Tosan Awoma was somebody who needed to draw some opponents that didn't have athletic bigs that could make him di- make it difficult for him to run that point forward situation. Unfortunately, he's going to run into Tubelas and Balo. And when it comes to their secondary options, I'm just not as scared of them, particularly at this price point. 14 and a half, I jumped on it. I got 13 and a half. I'd play it up to 16. I thought this number should be closer to like what Kansas is laying against Howard because I do think that Arizona can, for lack of a better word, this is kind of like a neck crack game. This is from them to start feeling good about themselves, get some momentum into the into the weekend. So I know that Kirk Creasa is a little bit banged up, but I don't they don't need, need him to be pumping in many points in this game to cover. So Princeton may be able to slow the tempo a little bit early on. So maybe a race to 10, if you want to get like really gutsy with something that has, um, you know, plus EV, but in terms of the overall spread, I love the wildcats here. I think they put it together down the stretch. Um, so I, I like him in this spot. I'm, I'm a, I initially leaned Arizona. I'm afraid of them here. I mean, Chris is hurt. And he, he went like a couple of games. He made two threes against UCLA, but a couple of games ago, he was like, Oh, of seven. Like he's playing Princeton in the first round. I could see him going like oh of ten from three. Like he's I could see Chris just throwing up. At um, least with the, at least with the shoulder injury, they could be like, okay, you're not right. Like come on, sit on the bench. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, I, I I always worry about him like just shooting them out of a out of the tournament. Um, especially now that he can't shoot. He's, uh, but I, it's a interesting. Like yeah, Princeton might be able to slow it down. They have a guy who's going to play professionally somewhere in Tosan who's just he's excellent yeah. skilled, he's top 50 assist rate, runs their entire offense. Now, granted in the Ivy League, you got to double him and he gets a ton of attention and then he can kick out to their shooters. They are a capable three-point shooting team, not elite, but they have guys who can get hot like Langborg uh, was 40% last year. He was down at 31% this year, so he's fully capable. I kept going back and forth on how like can Tosan give their bigs uh, uh, problems with how he can play and he's a little mobile or is he just there is he just going to be shut down and then they can stay out on the shooters and then also i worry about princeton's transition defense and then i worry about tosan well, number one he can't shoot free throws so if he does get to the line monitor that but does he get in foul trouble here and then if he does then princeton's really in trouble here and arizona could just turn on the transition jets and then it's good night kai any quick thoughts on this uh, I like Princeton first half. Uh, I, I think Ivy teams do really well in the tournament because their offenses are so intricate and hard to prepare for. So the Princeton offense with all its cutting, its counterpoints, it's, it's, um, it's many different um, uh, optionality, I suppose, on the offensive end. You can't really practice that and prepare for that if you haven't seen it a lot. So I think that's a big advantage for Princeton coming in early on. Tosan, I do think, has an advantage against Arizona's bigs. By the way, they use him. They play him at the elbow. They play him at the top of the key. 
right. To initiate offense. There's not going to be much in the paint. Um, he can chew a little bit from out there too. Not great, but he's a threat. Um, do I think Arizona adjusts at halftime and then rolls in the second half? Yes. But I do like the way Princeton uh, does tend to slow the game down, play in the half court. They're also an incredible defensive rebounding team. Arizona's a lot bigger. They're great offensive. They, they can definitely control the glass, but against Princeton who team rebounds like the way they do, I think they can hold them off at least for 20 minutes. Yeah. It's it's Princeton's a hard team for me to get a hand on just because Tosan can be so dominant against inferior comedy he's really good in these but they, they play such like their schedule is, is kind of a joke like who's the best team that they played this year um yeah iona uh iona probably lost probably. by six on a neutral court to iona um and they were in that game for a while but yeah like iona is probably the only top hofstra i guess they played in the first game they really lost by six at home um but their schedule is just so it's it's just their non-com is outside the top 300. And then you're playing like mm-hmm. not very non, there's a lot of, you know, you compare the athleticism and talent gap between teams in the Ivy and Arizona. It's, it's hard to it, really. It, it, additionally, additionally too, they've been sped up multiple times. Yes. They want to play at a more methodical pace, but you look at it, Dartmouth was able to do it. Cornell was able to do do it. Yale was able to do it. And in some cases they coaxed him into a faster pace and Princeton lost and lost handily. So I look at that as this is not a team that's going to, you know, throw the clamps on the entire tempo and be able to grind out, you know, a 10 point loss to Arizona. So in general, there's some other teams in this tournament that I do fear from that perspective, a team like, you know, St. Mary's that is super comfortable playing at that slower pace and just has a way of shutting down your running game. I don't see that necessarily in Princeton. Yeah, that that does concern me. I don't think I can get there at Princeton. <clears throat> I could see the first half, I and mean, we'll, we'll go for the double first half, then game. Princeton's transition defense is rates out extremely poorly, and then you look at who they played, and it's like, oh, God. If Arizona gets out and runs, it's going to be – Hey, worth bucks. noting too, we didn't mention Ballas got a broken hand. He's he's playing with one arm, one hand. We had mentioned Creesa, but Arizona's pretty banged up. Yeah, no, that's true, and that's that's worth uh, mentioning. Just when you're filling out your bracket, and if you like, a lot of people are gonna have chalky Arizona, Alabama, but maybe if you want to get a little risky, you have Arizona going out. Um, you know, Princeton, well coached team. Um. Maybe if you have some late, if you want to stay in it, if, the, if this gets dicey, Ballo's in there. Hack a Ballo. The guy can't shoot free throws, only has one. I keep supposed to be a 50% free throw shooter. Uh, so if this is like tight late somehow with like eight to go and I'm Princeton, <laughs> I start foul. I start hacking Ballo. Mm-hmm. Obviously not with Tosan, but I start putting him on the line. Go ahead, make your free throws. Um and then I'd just I'd sag off Crease of the entire game. All right. Anyway, enough of uh Princeton, Arizona. Let's move on to our next game. This is two enigmas. Illinois, Arkansas in the eight nine in Des Moines, Iowa. Arkansas is a two-point favorite over under 143 and a half. This is the first game out. I think this game will be played fast. Look, these two teams I can't figure out. I mean, Arkansas is arguably three first round draft picks, super talented. Past two years, they've gone to the lead eight. Musselman's obviously proven he can take teams deep in this format. Illinois, a lot of talent, but I don't Underwood, I think, hates this team. And <laughs> they just have no plan. Like 
they're a really good two-point offense, but they just chuck threes and they can't shoot. Outside of like if Matthew Myers hot making like his fadeaway step back. They're pretty good in the half court, which doesn't make sense because they can't shoot the three, but they keep trying to run and they're not efficient when they run. Like, I don't know what this team is doing. It makes no sense to me. There's going to be a lot of bricks in this game. Um, these are two teams that can't shoot from three. I would, I think that Arkansas has more talent overall and I trust Mutz more than Underwood, especially this, uh, this Underwood. I don't think Underwood and this team are connected. And I think that's ultimately what's, uh, but I, do I really trust Arkansas? Every time I want to trust them, they let me down, but I wish I had a lot of faith in who's going to win this game. Similar to FAU Memphis, because I think the winner of this game could give Kansas problems, especially Arkansas. But I think Memphis could beat, I think Memphis or FAU could beat Purdue. And I think either one of these teams could beat Kansas a little more confident in Arkansas beating Kansas than Illinois. But if I had a really strong conviction in my bracket, I could move to one of these teams to the sweet 16. Cause I think, Purdue and Kansas are the most vulnerable ones, but the eight nines are so tough to pick. Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I agree with your overall assessment. I mean, Musselman, though, he's been a head coach for eight years. He's gone to the Sweet 16 or deeper three times. So he's proven it in a tournament setting. Obviously, Arkansas's roster has a lot of upside, you know, NBA talent, Nick Smith Jr., et cetera. And then I look on the Illinois side, they go three and five down the stretch. They need a double OT to beat Michigan. Mayer has played a lot better, but when I look at Shannon Jr., he's so foul shot dependent to be a big impact offensively. But then on the other side of things, Arkansas puts you the line more than just about any team in this field. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with the over 145 and a half. I think both of these offenses in spurts are going to get it going. And if I'm holding an under ticket, nothing's safe. I could see so many points in the last, you know, five to six minutes, lots of trips to the foul line, lots of aggressive, you know, dribble drives. So I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, stay away from a side here and just go with the total. Yeah. The only problem is that these teams just start like just settling. <clears throat> they're just, they're, there could be just a shit ton of bricks in this game. Like legit bricks from three. These are, these are two hard shooting teams. Kai, you just, one word answer. You had to pick one to advance in your bracket. Or are you just going with the hogs talent here? Yep. Arkansas. Press Musselman more. Um, I'll probably end up betting on him, but I got nothing strong in, in this game. And you would trust Arkansas more than Illinois to pull off the upset yeah. of Kansas, right? Absolutely. And I'm maybe a little bit biased because I was there for the Illinois-Indiana game in person when Illinois just basically gave up at the end of the game. And there was some weird chemistry stuff on the court. I agree with you. Underwood does seem to hate this team. So I, I kind of just want to stay away from that in general. Yeah. There, there's something that seems just off with them, mm -hmm. um, which is, which comes through in their inconsistency, right? Like you see yeah. them sometimes they look so good and then they look so bad. And at, when this, that's happening late in the year, usually something's off with the team. All right, let's move on to another eight, nine matchup. Auburn, Iowa. Auburn's a one point favorite here over under 152. This will be played in their backyard, Birmingham, Alabama. Pretty pretty raw deal for Iowa, I guess. We talk about some raw travel deals, but I was the eight seed. Auburn's and I'm Auburn have a big fan base here, but you know you could. I think Alabama's here too, so you might have some Alabama fans rooting against Auburn. Game six fifty Eastern on TNT. Uh, Kai, I would look at the over here. Auburn's been playing a little slower recently. I, you know, Iowa's defense is not going to show. I, I, I can't trust Iowa's defense. I can't trust Auburn's offense away from home, but they're kind of at home. Uh, this this game's tough for me. Do you have a uh, any any insight to sway us one way or the other? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think both teams are overseeded. Um, neither deserving of an eight or a nine, in my opinion. Um, I look at the coaching. I look at Fran McCaffrey. 
who's been coaching for 27 years, who's made 11 tournaments, zero Sweet 16s. Then I look at Bruce Pearl, who's been to 11 NCAA tournaments and has five Sweet 16s. Um, he's a much more successful coach in this format. I also trust Auburn's defense more than I was uh, more than I was defense for sure. But, but offense versus defense, I lean towards defense in general. It's more consistent, and I, and theoretically, Auburn has the matchups for Iowa's better players. Several wings can can check Chris Murray, uh, uh, and several uh, excuse me, and Jonai Broom can stop Robacha inside. So that's enough for me to lean towards Auburn in this one. More athleticism, more length. Yeah, that might end up being the trump card here, and. Yeah, I mean, just some some what scares me with Auburn is sometimes their their guards are very erratic. So sometimes they just shoot them out of a out of a game, and they're just mm-hmm. taking really poor shots. They end up they tend to play maybe not even more under control. Maybe they just thrive off the energy at home, and they they tend to play just so much better at home. A lot of teams are like that, but Auburn, I think it's a little more extreme. But you're right, I think there is a coaching advantage here. And then the worst unit by far in this game is the Iowa defense, right? So like you look at these teams and you're like, what's the 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 weakest unit? And it is the Iowa defense. Maybe they could they go zone here. I mean, Iowa does throw out um, a zone at a, a decently high clip. Could they could they go zone here against Auburn? Or they just get murdered on the O glass? Yeah, I think that's a concern that they get crushed in the glass. And have they practiced much zone this year? I honestly don't know. So it'd be kind of tough to pull it out in tournament setting. Yeah, they're probably like I think ten to twelve percent overall this year. The other thing is that you look at Auburn. They want to you know they they want to turn you over. And they, I think they're, they're, they're best when they can also get out in transition and they also can crash the offensive glass. And then you look at Iowa and, oh, Iowa's eighth in the country in turnover rate. They never turn it over, but they play in the Big Ten. Who in the Big Ten's forcing mm-hmm. turnovers, right? Yeah. Go, you go back to Iowa State. Chris, I don't know. They beat Iowa State by 20 without Chris Murray and they had a 30% turnover rate. Can, can someone explain that game to me? <laughs> Iowa beat Iowa State by 20 without Chris Murray and they turned it over in 30% of their possessions. Go back to TCU. TCU played without ball, without and these are I'm, I'm listing teams that I would play that are top 20 in forcing turnovers. TCU played without Emmanuel Miller and without Damian Ball. They won by 13. Iowa turned it over on 20% of their possessions. So I think that their turnover numbers are a little skewed by who they play. And they're not facing, you know, very they're not facing similar defenses to Auburn on a nightly basis. So I think I lean Auburn. And trust the coach. Don't trust the Iowa defense. You're right here. Just just in case we haven't buried Iowa enough, let's throw in some recency bias too. The last month they lost by 20 at Northwestern, which is like losing by 40 to anyone else in this field. They <laughs> they go to Wisconsin, they lose by 12. They lose at home to Nebraska, and then they lose in the tournament to Ohio State by four. So for a team that already has this huge glaring can't win on the road moniker, you know, attached to them, they're also coming in without really playing well in the last month. So I don't think there's any reason to get fired up for this team. And I agree with you on everything you said about Auburn, but they should get a little bit of the juice from a hometown crowd in Birmingham. So I think the only play here has to be the Tigers. Yeah. I I was talking about Auburn not being the same way from them. That's very true with Iowa. Although they somehow went into Indiana and then just destroyed them, which that sticks with me way too much for some reason, but that's the outlier. That's not the, that's the exception, not the rule. All right, let's move on to, I think, the most fun game. I mean, FAU Memphis is up there for me, but Oral Roberts-Duke, I mean, it's Max Asmus and Oral Bob, a team that made a run a couple of years ago, versus Duke. If you're not a Duke fan, 
it's un-American to not bet Oral Roberts here. Am I am I right? Kai, you got to bet Oral here, right? Oh, absolutely. Give me Oral, Stucky. I, I like Oral Roberts here. Uh, <laughs> I think the most dangerous 12 seed um, in the tournament. People like to focus on Duke's winning streak. I'm not really impressed by it. Um, the teams they've beaten, they're, they're bottom feeder ACC teams or teams with injury issues. Yep. Um, they're certainly playing a lot better, for sure. And they're a great team with a lot of talent. This Oral Roberts team is no joke, man. Um, they're, they're an experienced team. I think they have the best backcourt in this game with Acemas and McBride. I think it's better than Duke's backcourt. Um, Vanover is going to be a problem for Duke's bigs. Uh, he's a 7-5 guy that can shoot threes. Um, pick and pop. Pick and pop all day long. My one worry is Oral Roberts did get crushed by Houston. You know, that's by kind of a... Four, by 45. Yeah, that's like the closest comparison to Duke. But even then, I don't think it's really much of a comparison. I still trust... It was November, uh, like, 3rd. A long time ago. I trust this guard group. I trust the coach and Paul Mills quite a bit as well. Yeah, that does scare me a bit, too, that that Houston game. But you can't really run pick and roll against Houston, right? Like, you can't... No. <laughs> everything that Oral wants to do offensively, they can't really do. But Duke's, Duke really struggles in defending screens out on the perimeter. And that's what Oral Roberts wants to do to initiate their offense. Midcourt max. He's been here before. And you're right, like pulling lively away from the rim, he's not going to be comfortable there. The best comparison I can come up with is like P.J. Hall, Clemson, when Duke played mm-hmm. them, and Clemson won. I mean, Hall went off. Um, so Vanover can probably give Duke similar issues. And, yeah, I agree. Duke has – they've improved. Their defense, I think, has really improved. They're good, but the ACC is bad. And you look who they've beaten. You beat Miami, but Omir – gets hurt in the first minute, they have no one behind him, depth-wise. Duke also goes 50, 50% from three. Miami shoots 30%. You know, they played Virginia, recently just lost one of their starters. And then it's, you know, bottom feeders of the ACC. So, yeah, I think Duke comes in a little overvalued here after their run to the ACC tournament. I think Kempa makes us three. I make it three and a half. <laughs> so, give me seven all day. Mike, are you Oral Bob? Give you Oral? I mean, let's put our praying hands together and let's go for Oral Roberts here. Not only are they a absolute firework show on offense, they're fourth in points per game, seventh in effective field goal percentage. They take and make a ton of threes, top five in both attempts and makes. They're an elite foul shooting team, so you get into crunch time, get the ball to Acemas, he's over 90% from the line. But what I like compared to the team that went to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed, they're actually much better defensively. They, they got to 75th in defensive efficiency. They're not a defensive stopper by any stretch, but this is still a young Duke team. Like if Oral Roberts does what they've done all year in the summit, which is they go on a 10-0 run or an 8-0 run, something like that. How is Duke going to respond when they have to score? Not just, you know, things are going really well as they have for the past month for the Blue Devils. And then they get everybody involved and, you know, Lively is getting some finishes at the rim and everyone's feeling good about themselves. It's like, no, now you're in the tournament. You're losing to a 12 seed. Who's the one who's going to take the big shot? Like, I think the pressure is going to slide to Duke very quickly in this game. So I'm on Oral Roberts on the money line. Yeah, I love it. I think this will be a great game. And yeah, that Oral <clears throat> Roberts team that made a run back in 2021, they finished, and this is after the tournament, so they got a boost. They finished 220th in overall defensive efficiency. This year, 107th. So this defense, they've won 17 straight, really confident team. Kai, ready? I'll give you, I'll make you feel a little better. Mm-hmm. 2021, Oral Roberts, right? They infamously became the second team second 15 seed to make the sweet 16 
They beat Ohio State and Florida. Their first game of the year in November against Missouri Tigers. Mm-hmm. They lost by 40. Wow. I don't remember that game. Good for my Missouri Tigers, though. It was final score was 91 to 64. The largest lead of the game was, I guess they won by math. It's only won by 30. They were up by 35. But nice. that just shows you, like, sometimes these, you know, mid-majors early in November, you can't put too much weight into mm-hmm. an early season result. All right, let's go oral. All right, transitioning to toothpaste. Let's talk a little Colgate, Texas, 725 Eastern, TBS, Texas, 13 and a half point favorite here, over under 147 and a half. This game will be played in Des Moines, Iowa. Game 725 Eastern on TBS. Texas 13 half point favorite. I see a lot of love for Colgate. I, I can't get there. People get fall in love with their offense. And look, they can shoot. And people say like, oh my God, Colgate. They almost beat Wisconsin last year, right? Well, Wisconsin's not the most athletic team in the world. It's kind of a good matchup for Colgate. And yeah, they still came up short. And then the year before against Arkansas, people remember like, oh, everyone get to the TV. Colgate's about to beat Arkansas. They're up in the second half. I see this all the time. They've led in the second half and they're they're back-to-back years. Well, Arkansas won by the one they gave by 17 still. <laughs> they just so I look, I know Colgate can shoot. They're number one in the country in three-point percentage. 40.9%. They have a kid, uh, Lynch Daniels, who's shooting 50.3% from three on 153 attempts. <laughs> Over 50%. <laughs> Um, which is just insane. But they play in the Patriot League, people. No disrespect to the Patriot League. I love the Patriot League. Uh, no, I mean, get out the uh, the the fife and the drums and everything for the Patriot League. It's awful. I mean, I, I of my own volition, probably watched 15 to 20 Patriot League games and just no one could play with them at all. And no one could take advantage of their very clear deficiencies. And Texas is rounding into such good shape. I think they're close to top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Even Disu is playing better. He was like, he really came on in the big 12 tournament. And one thing that I love is that from a turnover margin perspective, I think they're 10th nationally in turnover margin per game. So they're not going to give out freebies and extra opportunities to a Colgate team. That's going to struggle to rebound with them in general, because that's Texas's real weakness. In my opinion, on the glass, they're not going to get taken advantage of here. So unless Colgate goes bananas and makes 16 threes, this is probably going to be a runaway. Yeah. Like, I mean, Texas knows that they're going to shoot three. Like what else is Colgate going to do? Like they're going to be out of the shooters. Um, Yeah. And also how's Colgate getting stops? That's my biggest question. This Colgate team, we just talked about this Colgate team, right? That they hung with Texas for Arkansas for a half. They almost beat Wisconsin. Their defense is significantly worse this year than the past two years, which is problematic. Like they're going to be at such an athletic disadvantage in this game, and I don't know how they get stops. And yeah, I mean, maybe like Texas is. I'm trying to think of the path for Colgate. Obviously, they got to make a ton of threes. Maybe Texas is just like they come out flat after winning the Big 12 tournament. They're like, we can cruise here. And then it's like they it's like an Arkansas deal, right? And then they have to just make a run late. So yeah, this is the the Patriot League was bad this year. And Colgate took advantage, credit to them. But this isn't like your what, like your 2005 Bucknell. Who's who was on that team, right? Who became was that, uh, Mc, McNaughton, McNaughton? That, 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 that big center. Uh, it's, who's the guy? It sounds like Max A, Max Aceves, but it's uh, 
Ace Ace Badmus or right Ace Badmus. Wasn't he one of their guards? Abe Bad Abe Abe Badmus. Ace I think there Badmus? Were, I think I think there was an Abe Froman in there for sure. Sausage King of Chicago. But yeah, that those Bucknell teams were gritty. There's nothing gritty defensively about Colgate, but shout out to Matt Langle, their head coach. He should definitely be getting a better job after this game. He's won the Patriot League coach of the year like five years in a row. They either won or tied for first in the Patriot League five years in a row. That guy needs to get at least to a true mid-major for his next stop. Master Polo, him, right? Master Polo. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's a good poll right there. Uh, all right. Anyway, people that are like 21 listening. Like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> Master Polo, Ace Badness, um, McNaughton. All right, let's move on to. <clears throat> oh God, this I am set. I'm setting myself up for disaster. This is the another Mountain West team that I like. Boise State against Northwestern. Northwestern's a one and a half point favorite over under one twenty eight. Game starts seven thirty Eastern on True TV in Sacramento, California. So I'll make my case for Boise in a minute. I think you liked the uh, under here, Mike. I did. This says rock fight written all over two top 15 Ken Palm defenses. If boo booey isn't absolutely killing it, then where's Northwestern getting their points from. And he finished the season on a 20 for 59 run from the field. They went one and three straight up in that stretch. And then Shaver jr. Is also up and down. Max rice was off in the mountain West conference tournament. So I, I don't see any hot hands walking into this game. So I'm going to go ahead and play under 128 and a half. Don't hate that at all. This one should be ugly. You know, <clears throat> this is kind of like some of the SEC teams that I'm fading, like Texas A&M that benefits from the poor shooting in the SEC. I think Northwestern defensively benefits from playing in the Big Ten, right? They're, everything they want to do, like, is to stop post offenses. And they do a really good job of doing that. If you look at how they grade out guarding the post, and then you look at their personnel, and you're like, how the fuck are they doing this? And then it's just all scheme. But Boise State doesn't run anything through the post. They're, they're one of the they they are, you know they have guys who can shoot all over the court. I think their versatility you can shoot a lot of threes against Northwestern. Their shooting ability of their off guards, right, of guys that Ardiz is going to be covering, I think is going to be huge here. And the other other side, Boise State, they're most they don't have size. They're most vulnerable in post defense, right? I I'm, I would be petrified against if I was a Boise State fan if they went up against a team with a really good big. Who, who's covering them? Northwestern doesn't run any post offense either. So I just trust, I think Boise State has more shot makers ultimately. And then how Northwestern has been designed doesn't play as well here in this particular matchup. So I'm going to go with Boise State just to make, I think it's just going to come down to like who can make a couple more threes in a rock fight. And I'm going to trust the Mountain West team. That's probably a bad idea, but that's how I see it playing out. Um, I also think Boise State, if you look at like, they try to get in transition. Sometimes they're very inefficient. They're much better in the half court and their half court defense is elite. These are two elite half court defenses, but Boise state has no depth. So I think a game, you see them a lot of times wear down at the end of games. They basically, you know, they go six deep. So I think a game with limited possession that's going to be really slow is going to be good for their legs and benefit them in multiple ways. Am I crazy Kai for liking Boise? No, because uh, I trust Leon Rice in the coaching chair more than I trust Chris Collins and no, no disrespect to Collins who had a great season. But the thing that's kind of skewing me towards Northwestern lean is I just think they come in with a bigger chip on their shoulder. I mean, they are the ultimate underdogs. No one believes they're any good and they are a really tough, tough team. I know Boise is as well, but big 10 over mountain West for me, um, pretty much across the board. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a one seed 
We're going to move on to the super late night. Houston, 19 and a half point favorite over Northern Kentucky, 920 Eastern, TNT, Birmingham, Alabama. <clears throat> 19 and a half point favorite over under 122 and a half. It's a very low total for a Houston team that should get a layup line, but these are two of the slowest teams in the country. Kai, should we lay it with the Cougs? Lay it, man. Bloodbath. Absolute bloodbath on the boards. NKU plays a funky zone um, that is susceptible to rebounds. Um, they're 333rd in the country. Defensive rebounding rate. Cleveland State crushed them on the glass every single matchup this season. And Houston's the best rebounding team in the country. I know they're fourth in offensive rebounding rate. This is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. They literally live th- for this. They practice it all the time. It's Kelvin Sampson's obsession is rebounds. On the other end, I don't see how, how NKU scores at all. Um, they have a very experienced and good backcourt for sure. But Houston is so swarming, so much more athletic, so so much tougher than this NKU team. I think it's a nightmare matchup for them. And Stucky, I'm sure you got the stats. The horizon has been brutal in the NCAA tournament the last few years. Yeah, it's and look, Kelvin Sampson, by the way, is seven and zero against the spread as a double digit favorite in postseason play. That includes the AAC tournament, covering by thirteen points per game. Two and zero in the dance, won by thirty one and twenty nine. That includes a game against another Horizon team two years ago. They were twenty point favorites, Cleveland State, who also gave up a ton of offensive rebounds and also used a lot of zone. Houston won that game by thirty. They were up by forty with like five to go. <laughs> and Horizon thirteen to sixteen seeds is. Double-digit dogs since 2005, two and eight against the spread. They have not performed well, and yeah, they this should be a layup line. Like even if if Houston's either going to make the three, so then they get three points for the possession. You know, it's whenever they shoot a three, or they're going to get the offensive rebound and lay it up. And that game against Cleveland State two years ago in the tournament, they had a 50% offensive rebounding rate. So yeah, it's I know the possessions are going to be there's it's going to be limited possessions. It's going to be slow. Oh, but on the other end, I like the only, you know, Northern Kentucky could make, they're going to have to shoot threes here. You're going to have to do that against Houston, but Houston's perimeter D is always good. Their, their help and recovery is elite. Why their three-point defense is always, so trusting that is a good thing. But, you know, if Northern Kentucky shoots 40% from three, they're going to cover because there's just not going to be a lot of possessions in this game. But, and they have some shooters, but if you look per synergy, they face a lot of zones. That's another thing. Houston faces a lot of zone. And they've grayed out well. They face a lot of zone in the AAC. Two of the heaviest zone leagues in the country are the AAC and the Horizon. Northern Kentucky, 70th percentile in efficiency against zone defenses. They have some shooters. They move it well. 16th percentile against man. Well, I'll tell you what. They're not going to see any zone from Houston on Friday. I I agree. I think this is a bloodbath. I don't even think it matters if Sasser plays. It doesn't. If they miss, they're going to get the rebound. They're going to score anyways. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Let's move on to Tennessee, Louisiana in the East Regional. 940 Eastern on CBS. Tennessee's an 11 point favorite over under 136 and a half. This game's in Orlando, Florida. And this matchup first came out. I said this is a bad matchup for how Louisiana wants to operate offense. I don't know if I can lay it with Tennessee, though. Can I can I really go to the window and lay 11 with this Tennessee offense? Not sure, Mike. Let's go ahead and get the Raging Cajun warm-ups in all black because it's a funeral for Tennessee's season. I've had it with I've, I've 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 had it with this Tennessee team, and once they lost their point guard, that's enough for me to go ahead and punch the big upset button here. Plus four fifty on the money line. They have a former McDonald's All-American, Jordan Brown, to hang their hat on. He gave Texas twenty points earlier this season, averaged almost twenty and nine. They're twenty eighth in offensive rebounding percentage. Um, so I really like that from a mid-major perspective. They also limit teams from three-point range. They only allowed 6.1 made triples per game. ULL is also a very strong three-point shooting team themselves. I think this is enough. It's going to take a huge, probably 25 and 10 game from Brown to get it done, but they were really strong down the stretch. I know the Sun Belt is not a conference that carries a lot of weight, but they have a lot of momentum going in here, whereas you know Tennessee was leaking oil, lots of losses down the stretch. Lots of, you know, struggles offensively. And this isn't the time to try to reinvent your identity with a a new floor general. So the fact that they get bounced by Mizzou by eight in the SEC tournament, I think they looked a little bit lifeless in that performance as well. It's not for me to go with the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, I mean, the way that I could see the case is, you know, Brown is very good. He's high major talent. And he can, he'll score. He'll have success in the post. Tennessee is really good because it's hard to run off into the post. But against really good big men, you can get Tennessee a little bit, and he'll compete here. But they run, they you know they have a lot of they want to dribble, penetrate, and then get into the lanes. And Tennessee doesn't let you do that. And you got to like you have to shoot, then move the ball to beat Tennessee. Now Louisiana does have a good three point percentage, but they don't shoot a lot of threes. It's not like their offense. Mm-hmm. They're, you're gonna have to have guy like a guy like Kentrell Garnett come off the bench and hit like which he could do. He has random games where he hits like seven threes. Garnett comes in and he hits like six threes. He also could airball six, but there's a path. I just think it's a tough matchup for the the way that they want to run offense, but they're pretty well coached. Maybe they'll make some adjustments here. And Brown is a a very good player to have on your side. You you would lean Tennessee here too. You don't like the matchup for the Raging Cajuns guy. Uh, yeah, I like Tennessee here. I, I love Louisiana, but I don't think they match up well. Um, I think it's impossible to score inside against Tennessee. They're the second best uh, defense overall in the country. Um, their interior defense is ridiculous. They're a bunch of men. <clears throat> they're they're very strong inside. Louisiana lost by 28 to, in that Texas game. Um, you know, they have a lot of talent, but it's not the same as Tennessee. And what worries me about Louisiana, Tennessee blows out teams that aren't as good as them. They're not in the same level. They've beaten 10 teams by 30 or more this season. And they beat another one by 29. So basically 11 teams by around 30 points or more. That scares me to fade them. Um, I think Ziegler matters going forward. I'm not sure he matters as much in this game. Yeah, and Tennessee just has a lot of men that they can throw at Brown and a lot of bodies, which he's not used to seeing. Like he sees Samuel with with uh, who's playing right South now? Alabama. South, South Alabama, South Alabama. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. if Brown could get into foul trouble here too, which would be disastrous. Um, but all right, I don't hate the bold call. All right, let's move on to Penn State. Texas A&M. This game will be played. Very excited for this game. Texas A&M three-point favorite over under 134 and a half. It's going to play 955 Eastern on TBS in Des Moines, Iowa. 
I like Penn State here. Mentioned it before, Texas A&M. Very aggressive defense, under screen, help, give up a ton of threes. That works in the SEC. Not against a team that shoots threes and makes threes at a top 10 rate nationally. I think this is a bad matchup for Texas A&M. I, both coaches are great here. Another great coaching matchup. I'm going to trust Pickett in this office. I think this game is more of a coin flip. I like Penn State. Kai, you agree? I like Penn State too. Um, this is the matchup I wanted. Um, as a as a Mizzou fan who's seen Texas A&M a couple times, I was hoping they'd get Penn State in the tournament um, because I think Penn State can exploit them for reasons you said. The SEC and their and conference play, it's the worst shooting team in America from, from three. A&M doesn't really have to guard the perimeter. They do against Penn State, who from a volume plus the ability to make it perspective, arguably the most prolific three-point shooting team in America. They also handle the ball. A&M's not really going to bother them with pressure. Nobody can guard Jalen Pickett. I know A&M in theory has guys that can do it. We've said that before. He's an All-American. He's terrific. And then A&M relies on bully ball offensively to score, offensive rebounding, attacking the rim, getting fouled. Penn State has seen that every single night in the Big Ten. They are they are outmatched size-wise in every single game, and it doesn't matter. They're still a terrific defensive rebounding team. Um, they still play without fouling. And they're also the most experienced team in the country from an age perspective. Almost everybody on this team is a senior plus. I like Penn State a lot. Yep, I agree. And you you hinted at it, but the three primary ways that Texas A&M scores, off turnovers, at the free throw line, this team that gets some games that go to the line 40 times, and offensive rebounds. Penn State elite defensive rebounding team, never foul, never turn it over. Mike, you nodding your head there. You're in agreement with we are? Uh, I I agree to a certain extent. Um, I think this will be one where I watch the first 48 minutes, and I want to make sure that well, – You watch the first 48 minutes. Was it, sorry, time? four to eight minutes. You're going to bet it live in the third in the third overtime? Yeah, I, 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 wanna, I need to I watch the sure. first half, second half, first overtime, three <laughs> minutes of the second overtime. Then I'm going to make my decision on who I like in this game. We should be up and running in, say, six to nine months. Sixty-nine months? No, six to nine months. Yeah, that's what it's going to take for me to uh, to come down on this one. <laughs> I, my only concern is that Penn State, if – the shots aren't falling early. Do they have a secondary plan? I know that Jalen Pickett is someone who can take over, but they got so hot down the stretch of the season where if you if we were having this conversation in January, it's like, would we be viewing Penn State, even the potential, if everything went right? Are we at the very top of the market for Penn State? That's my concern. That's why it's just a pass for me from a spread perspective. You know, once we get into third overtime, I, I may dip my toe in the water. Yeah, but I mean, even if Penn State's shots aren't falling, I mean, look, you have to assume that they will. They're an elite shooting team, and it's not just relying on one guy. But I, I don't think like Texas A&M's ever going to run away and hide with their offense in this game, and it's I think it's going to be slower paced. Te- Penn State also doesn't go after any offensive rebounds, and they get back, and they're like they're not going to let Texas A&M get any easy buckets here. And yeah, so I, I love Penn State here. All right, final game of the night: UNC Asheville. Takes on UCLA, UCLA 17 and a half point favorite over under 134 and a half. This game's on True TV, 1005 Eastern in Sacramento. Bad travel spot for Asheville. They do have a high major player in Drew Pember, transferred from Tennessee, capable of going for 40 plus. Bulldogs use him in a variety of ways pick and pop, ISO on the block, very versatile player. It got to the line more frequently than any player in the country. But this is an Asheville team that did get pretty lucky 
they're kind of like Michigan State light in that they like they shot 40% from three. Their opponents shot 30% from three in league play. And they won like every close game. Like they, they were projected to win to like 500 in conference. But got two guys in Jones and AB who can stroke it from three. Pembroke can also shoot from three too. And you have a star player. Is that enough against UCLA who does have injury questions, right? Jalen Clark, not going to play. He's one of the best defenders in the country. And you have Bona who's apparently going to play. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they sit him out for this. I don't know. I'm not. Kai, do we have any confirmation on that? I heard he was going to play, but I, I'm not positive on that one. That, yeah, that's what I heard as well. Too, but uh, you like you yeah, like right. the Bulldogs here to keep this close, Mike. I do. I, I think they have enough overall from a three-point shooting perspective. Pember needs to play really well, but I don't necessarily think he needs to score, you know, 35 and rip down 15 rebounds. Although this year he averaged close to 22, nine boards, three and a half stocks per game. He finished 15th in player efficiency in the win score metric. So he just showing off how good he was. He started his career at University of Tennessee. He was a Knoxville kid, stayed in his hometown. They went 18 and one down the stretch and they're up against a Mick Cronin coach team. I think UCLA's success in the last few years has kind of erased everyone's memory on Mick Cronin. He used to be Mr. Early Exit all those years at Cincinnati. He had six first round exits in the NCAA tournament in his career. He had a bunch of second round exits with Cincinnati as well. So with UCLA, their defense obviously is where they were hanging their hat. Not having Clark, I don't think it's necessarily going to be fatal in this game from a money line perspective but i do think it makes it easier for them to get looks from the perimeter and then in general bona i agree like if he's limited then pember is somebody who can not only score inside but also take his defender outside there's just enough here that i could see ucla's more in survival mode where it's like let's let's get out of this round let's let's get our sea legs a little bit in this tournament 18 and a half i feel like is a lot i'd probably play this down to 17 so i'll go ahead with Asheville. yeah a couple things give me pause here one like can they put just put Hawkes on Pember a lot and then they because you look at some of Asheville's like you know AB and Jones have hit like 40 percent of their threes but they're mm-hmm. in the big south and you, you, a lot of teams have to send two at Pember right and then you're getting a lot of open looks that might not be the case here Asheville also p- will press a lot and they do it pretty well but it's the big south you can't press UCLA by the way they're elite in press mm-hmm. offense and then you know UNCA wants to get out and run a bunch and get in transition they're good there can't do that against UCLA, you know, but I can see well, this well I, I, I will push back on that last one. I, I think Clark had a lot to do with just shutting teams down in the running game. So does that necessarily mean it's a night and day difference? Probably not, but I do think there's a chance for them to at least get some looks and maybe this ends up becoming a first half play that I can talk myself into where they get a little bit of success early and UCLA has to make adjustments in terms of Pember where I, I agree, like Hakez has the defensive chops to be able to slow him down. But if he's, you know, putting in some work, scoring some points, maybe they have to double, maybe things get a little bit dicey in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a really strong fear. It's not like I love UCLA as a huge favorite, especially with some of the injuries they're dealing with. Kai, any thoughts here? I didn't have anything strong either. I, I leaned towards UCLA because I just think teams that rely so heavily on one or two guys like Asheville does with Jones and Pember is easier to game plan for and easier to scheme. Um, I also kind of can't get the UNC Asheville game against Arkansas out of my head when they lost by 34. Pember got in foul trouble at six points. Um, I, that's a real issue if UCLA can get him in foul trouble, which is possible. Um, and then finally, turnovers. Asheville's not a good ball handling team. UCLA, yeah, Clark's did a big part of it. I still think they can kind of cause them some issues in that realm. Yeah. All right, good stuff there. Let's uh, one final order of business. Let's go to our best bets of the day. Kyle, I'll start with you. 
Uh, it's Houston for me. Um, I, again, I just, I really do not see how they don't score almost every possession. Um, and, and I don't see any easy path for NKU to get buckets. Um, so give me the, the Houston Cougars minus 19 ish, whatever you can find out there. We just talked about this one. So I'll throw it out. Mine, Penn state. Uh, I think they match up well on both sides. They could shoot the three, which is what you need to do against Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a little shock to their system here. They're used to playing in the SEC. And look, we saw what Alabama did to them when they're making their threes. It's the one team in the SEC that really can. And on the other side of the ball, every way that Texas A&M wants to get offense, Penn State can take it away. Trust in Mr. Pickett and Shrewsbury and company. Give me the Nittany Lions. Mike, best bet? Nothing like racing down the steps on Christmas morning to bet under 127 and a half on the first day, full day of the tournament. But Boise State and Northwestern, not only are they elite defensively, I really like their coaching staffs on both sides to be able to game plan out of Boo Booey going off. And then on the Boise side, I just looking through all of their performances in the last month, I'm just not scared of their offense. I think this could be one of those tournament games where it's like 57, 55 and just crosses over that hundred point threshold um, with a few minutes to go. So I'll go under 127 and a half as my best play of the first round on Thursday. All right, there you have it. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to Mike and Kai of the Three Man Weave for joining me. Thanks to our audio and video team on the back end. Make sure you download the Award Winning Action App Network app. You can find all of our picks there in addition to an abundance of data and content. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Enjoy the madness. Merry Christmas times two. Root for the three-point variance. We do all this work, and a lot of times it's just going to come down to who makes the threes. So hopefully the threes so are true. falling for our teams and not falling for the teams we bet against. Regardless, it's going to be fun. It's a betting bonanza. Enjoy it. Bet responsibly, as always. And we will see you over the weekend. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.